Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, May 19th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all today. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything goes, jump in and dial right now. I do see there are some calls starting to come in. Uh, I'm going to get to those calls pretty quickly. I really don't have much of an open today, so line them up. Let's find out what's on your mind today. Um, I've been working on a lot of different projects all at once. We're, uh, we're testing several new technologies for the network itself, still working on our software and also trying to develop some simple systems for our hosts. And one of the challenges, you know, I've looked around at, at other networks and people who have done kind of sort of similar things. We have some pretty unique stuff we're doing with our network. One of the things I noticed, though, almost everybody uses hosts that that's what they do. They're in radio we're taking a totally different approach to this. This was never about radio for us. Even when I was on Sirius, I never considered myself a radio personality. That wasn't why I did it. It was just a great tool for our audience, for truck drivers who are in a truck every day. Sirius was the best tool possible to reach out and um, be able to help more and more people. But really, it was never about the radio. Our show was never as polished and, you know, professional as a lot of the other shows were. Um, sometimes our audio quality isn't all that great. But we tend to really focus not so much on the flashy, polished radio stuff, but on the information. I think that's the important part of what we do. We're here to provide information, to teach people, to help people, to answer their questions. And that's you're, you're not going to do that with radio people. You're going to do it with people who are really good at what they do. And that can be a challenge, one, finding people like that who have the time and the ability to come on the air and communicate well. I, I think we have a great lineup of hosts, and none of them are radio personalities. None of them have any radio experience. Um, so there's some challenges there, but uh, that's what we're working on. We'll, we'll overcome that. We also want um, one of the things I'm testing a lot right now, and I was going to test it again today, but I figured I'd take a little break because I'm a little frustrated with it. Uh, really simple systems that are very, very mobile. Uh, think of our hosts like uh, John and Joel, who we never know where they're going to be when they're doing their show. They're both out traveling a lot. They're on the road. They're working. So, But I, I still want good quality, the best quality we can come up with. You know, it may not be the perfect polished radio show and all that, but we, we want good quality so it's easy to listen to. Uh, and we want to set up where we can bring more hosts to the table. And that if we can make that simple enough, I mean, ultimately, I'd really like to come up with a system where all a host would need is a phone and a good headset that works with the phone. Uh we might be able to pull that off. It's just, um, it's getting a little frustrating for me right now. I just had one of those days yesterday where 
every time I got really close to thinking I had the system figured out, there would be one thing that wouldn't work correctly. And then I'd go back and start over. Well, let's try it this way. But we'll, uh, we'll continue working on that. So between that and um, all of the reading I've been doing and putting show notes together for all the different shows, almost everything right now, unfortunately, keeps coming back to politics. And I've said I want to keep politics out of my general shows. You know, I I don't want to open with a lot of political stuff. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it. They're tired of politics. So I do have the show, The Pit. And it's interesting if you look at my show notes for each show for the pit i have page after page after page of ideas and things that i should be talking about politically the other shows you know this show just a a general free-for-all where um you know i might talk about health i might talk about trucks or money or finance or the economy or whatever it might be right now there it's just it's very repetitive We are, I've talked about the economy. I'm going to talk about it some more today. It's the most important thing we've got going on. And it's hard to talk about the economy without getting political. So again, I've got tons and tons of of notes for political shows and ideas. Uh, The rest of the stuff right now kind of feels like we're in a holding pattern. You know, if you own a truck and... You haven't done all the things you should have been doing to get ready for what we're about to go through. And I I think it's here. You know, we started talking about this four or five years ago that the, the regular business cycle and the cycle in our industry, uh, even though a lot of things are getting really odd, um, the basics haven't changed. You know, the market goes up, the market goes down. Freight rates go up, freight rates go down. Fuel prices go up, fuel prices go down. That's all normal. Nothing really different about that, except for the fact that we've talked about the higher things go and the longer they stay there, the typical pattern is they're going to drop farther and stay down longer. If we look back historically at uh, our recessions or our downturns in the economy, That's how they work. Well, the scary part about this is we've been so high for so long, we now need to try to figure out where the bottom is. And and I don't know. Spot market rates are already down a dollar a mile. That's the average across the country. That's that's Van, I believe. Flatbed uh, is doing better than any other segment. Flatbed is actually holding somewhat steady, more so than the other segments are. And that's pretty typical for summer. Um, But I don't think that's going to last either. I think uh, what's going to happen in the flatbed market, I think the housing market is going to have a big impact there. I think we're going to see that start to slow down because we're starting to see the cracks in the armor now in the real estate market. Yeah, just a month ago, we were still talking about lots of bidding, houses selling, almost everything sold for more than it was listed for. Um, I've mentioned that, you know, 
we've moved into more real estate instead of stock market. And so over the last couple of years, we've been investing in some real estate in our area. And the one thing about real estate is it's very, very unique when it comes to um, location. You know, the, the saying is when it comes to real estate, the three most important things are location, location, and location. It changes everything. Um, you know, I, I, Lisa and I are both from an area, Northeast Ohio, and I was just back there. And that is one of the cheapest housing markets in the entire country. That area there, I am shocked at how affordable houses are. The, the per square foot price in Northeast Ohio um, where I just spent a lot of time and I was looking, it's probably one third, maybe even a f- uh, almost one fourth of what the per square foot price is around where I live right now. And this isn't traditionally a really high dollar market where I'm at, but it's certainly becoming that. But that's all finally starting to change. We're, we're, seeing prices now start to come down on some of these houses. We're seeing houses now sell for less than the listed price. Not all of them. We haven't turned that corner completely yet, but a lot of real estate now, that dynamic is starting to change. When that shifts, then they won't be building as many new houses. That has a pretty big impact on the flatbed market. The other thing that it's just really, really hard to get a handle on right now and figure out where we're going on this is inflation. It's what everybody's talking about. But, you know, I don't even know that we went through this in the early 80s. That's the comparison we make a lot of times because we haven't seen numbers like this since the early 80s. I was just graduating high school. I wish I would have paid a little more attention back then and understood it. I've gone back and you know, read it now, and I remember how things were, but we didn't see all of the issues we're seeing right now. All of the issues with crime and supply chain shortages. The, the shortages are really, really getting concerning. You know, we've been talking about them now for over a year, and I don't see any improvements. I actually think, see things getting worse. Right before I came on the air today, I happened to see a a headline, so I started reading it, but I didn't have time again to go verify. You know, just because you read something today, and I don't care what news source it comes from, you absolutely have to verify. It seems like all the news sources anymore are so quick to jump on stories, they're even you know, reporters, people who are supposed to be digging to develop these stories and make sure that they're correct and accurate. uh, There doesn't seem to be nearly as much of that going on today. It seems like an article pops up, everybody starts um, linking to it or, you know, retweeting it or whatever it is. And then we find out, well, maybe there wasn't a whole lot of real reporting done in that article. So you do have to be careful. Uh, I try to at least, you know, go back when I'm reading something, at least verify the source, find at least two or three other 
um, news outlets that, that are also maybe reporting on it and have some different facts so you know that people just aren't repeating and retweeting. Um, so, but here was the gist of this article, and this is the first time I've heard this. We've heard about high prices on a lot of things, about shortages on a lot of things, um, but this is the first time I've heard this one. Before I get to that, I just looked at the board. We had some calls coming in, and we've got nothing right now. So uh, if you want to jump in and join us, I mean, I can always talk a lot, but I really don't have a lot of topics I want to spend a lot of time on today. So uh, if you want to jump in right now, phone lines are open. I promise you'll get through 855-950-3835. It is a free for all. You can talk about anything you want. If you want to talk about politics, you can. I'm trying to stay out of it too much in my opens. Uh, but jump in right now, 855-950-3835. So back to this article, and I'm going to go do a little digging on this. Somebody had mentioned that they tried to rent a compact car. It might have been the Atlanta market. I forget exactly where it was. And the rate was $180. And when I saw that, I thought it was going to be a week. It was a day. $180 a day for a compact car. And the explanation went on to say that the reason the it, prices are always supply and demand. What that tells you is a lot of people are renting cars and there's not enough cars to rent. That's what that tells you. Well, I got thinking, why? Why would that be an issue right now? That It almost seems a little backwards. I would have expected car rentals might be down a little bit right now because business travel is still down. But the explanation actually might make some sense. Turns out that um, a lot of these people with rental cars have the rental car because their vehicle is in a shop somewhere. And a lot of it seems to be body shops. I haven't heard this, but I guess body shops are having a really hard time getting parts. And these people, instead of having a rental car for a week, maybe while their, their car's in the body shop, they now have that car for a month. That ties up a lot of cars. It's really hard to get your head around some of this because it seems to be happening in so many places and it's not always being reported all that well. Right now, everybody is talking about the formula shortage, the baby formula shortage. That one's pretty critical. How did we get here on this? If, if nothing else we just have to look at our own supply chain here and we have to realize it may cost all of us some more money, but we really should bring a lot more manufacturing back to our country, whether it costs us money or not. I mean, it brings jobs, it brings tax revenues, but more importantly, it brings a little security, which we don't seem to have right now. I am sickened and saddened that we are begging other countries to send us really basic stuff that we need, oil and gas. We're asking other countries to produce more. We're now sending air freighters over to Europe to try to bring back baby formula. 
those are products and revenue that should be generated here in the United States. One, because it's good for our economy, but two, it's a security issue right now. Uh, I think we're a little late to the party, but I hope we start to, to change that. And I really hope our supply chain gets better. We can deal with inflation. We can deal with stagflation. It won't be fun, but we can get through that kind of stuff. But these shortages of critical items are really a little concerning. All right, we're, uh, we're going to get to the calls because... Now everybody just flooded in, which is awesome. Keep them coming. Like I said, I didn't um, didn't have a lot on my plate today that wasn't political. So um, we'll get to the calls. Let's do that right now. Let's get started in Wisconsin. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing? Doing good. What's on your mind today? Hello. Hey, Kevin. I'm just... Uh I got an injury here. I, my left testicle is swollen. <clears throat> and I went to the hospital, and they're trying to give me antibiotics. And I think I need an incision. What do you think? What would you do here in this situation? Well, the first thing we need to do, I, I don't know whether you need antibiotics or not, and I don't know if they did enough work to know whether you need antibiotics or not. So the first thing we always do, whether it's an... Now, you, you mentioned an injury. Did you do something that caused this, or did it just show up? No. I was just sitting there. Okay. I was sitting there well, at a truck stop Sunday, and it just a balloon started coming out behind my testicle and it went up into my testicle now and now it's left side inflated so i wouldn't call that an injury then you know when i think of an injury i think of we rolled our ankle we you know cut ourselves so this this just showed up so did they do any sort of testing and then say you have a bacterial infection they didn't do no blood work or nothing, but they ran a CAT scan on me yesterday, and I got to go back tomorrow morning, and they said there's no cyst in there or nothing. So it sounds to me like they don't know what's causing this. That's what I'm thinking. Well, we need to ask them that. I mean, here's the only thing that antibiotics would help. If they can show you, here, you have a bacterial infection. Here's the bacteria. Here's why we're giving you an antibiotic. I'm just afraid that this is their go-to. They just throw antibiotics at everything, and that's a bad practice. We, we just shouldn't do that for a lot of reasons. It's bad for your gut bacteria. It's bad because we overuse antibiotics and they become less and less effective. But this seems to be the go-to right. for the medical community if they don't know what to do. Well, let's just give somebody antibiotics so it, it feels like we're doing something. So I would go back to whoever diagnosed this and recommended the antibiotics and ask them, why are we doing antibiotics? Do I have a bacterial infection? And if they say, well, we don't know, so we're trying it, I'm just not a big fan of that. But the answer, what do we do here? It's the same every time we have a medical issue. We have to find out the root cause. Without finding out the root cause, we have no idea what we should do. And many times the medical community just 
throws things at the symptoms, not the root cause. So, you know, there's a couple of ways to approach this. I actually don't mind using the traditional medical community for diagnosis sometimes. Sometimes they're pretty good at figuring out, okay, here's where the problem at least originated. Here's the cause. Now, if they can tell you it is a true bacterial infection, yeah, we'll probably go with the antibiotics. I'm not totally against them. I'd like to know for sure that there's a reason. Are they using a more targeted antibiotic? Are they using a broad spectrum? And then if they are, we need a protocol to counteract that. Lots of fermented foods, a couple probiotics. But right now, based on the information they've told you, I don't know what we should be doing. You want the name of the antibiotic they're giving me? No, that won't tell me anything because our antibiotics, like I said, even when they're targeted, uh, unless they can tell me we chose this antibiotic because here's the bacteria we found. If they didn't do blood work and all they did was some sort of imaging, I don't believe that they can know that this is a bacterial infection. That's what I was thinking too because they didn't take no blood work or nothing. Do you have a uh, a general practitioner that you go to? No, I'm on the road. Okay. Um, you know, I hate walk-in clinics and that kind of stuff because usually they do the same thing. They just throw the easiest thing at it. They don't really put a lot of work into figuring out what's going on. Um, I, you know, at, at, if possible on the road, I might try to get a, a, an appointment with um, you know, a functional medicine doctor, this isn't something we would solve with nutrition. So, and that's what we do. We, we, you know, we don't deal with acute issues that you have right now. There's very few things that we can fix with just nutrition unless we know what the root cause is. And then we work towards solving the big picture problem but this is more of an acute medical condition. So we really do need a doctor here. A functional medicine doctor would be even better if you could get a consult, even a telemedicine consult where we're a doctor. I have no idea if there are four things that could cause this or 12 things that could cause it. Right now, we need a good diagnosis is what we need. That's right, Kevin. You know, my dad had the same problem. Does that mean anything? No, it really doesn't. I mean, it, it, it. very, very few things are truly genetic. There are some, there are lots that have a genetic component. But this, this again, it, it's an unusual, it's acute, it needs to be dealt with. But, you know, right. first thing is we've just got to figure out what's really going on here. Okay, and then my last question would be, does this go away on its own? This uh, implement, I mean, they're bad. It's, it's, it's implemented Dave, pretty good. Dave, does it go away on its Dave, own? Dave? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go back to my last thing. I don't know how to treat it because I don't know what right. it is. You're right. I have no idea whether it's going to last a day or six years because I don't know what it is. We, we really have to identify what caused this blood work 
Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I think it's going to take that. And Thank again, you. I don't know. I, I don't do medical. I, it, um, like I said, I, if we can find a traditional medical doctor that figures out what's going on here, that's fine. Then we can treat it more naturally. But whether it's a functional medicine doctor or a traditional MD, we've got to figure out why this happened. I'll request blood work tomorrow when I get there in the morning. Then Sounds good. Once you've got some sort of a reason, a, you know, a root cause, call me back. I mean, there is a lot that can be done with nutrition, even to support what other treatment they might recommend. So call me back by all means. We'll, uh, we'll take it from there once we can figure out what's going on. Let's go to Missouri this time. Grant, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. I just got a couple really quick questions for you. Sure. Uh, the first one would be, if I get on Healthy Tribe, yes. where do I find your webinars on canning? Because me and my wife were discussing that we need to start canning last night. Okay, so if you go to... We are in the process of really improving um, some of the navigation because uh, we have some new technology that's going to allow us to. So we're going to be creating kind of a checklist for new members, which will make it really easy to find a lot of things that, you know, aren't right in the top of the feed all the time. You've got to go looking for them. Things like our, you know, webinars on yogurt and canning and that kind of stuff. Right now, the easiest way, um, you could either over on the left side, the menu on the left side, you can go to discovery. You'll find a lot of links in there to a lot of that stuff. You could also go down to courses. So a lot of these things are in our uh, course, healthy cookbook, healthy webinar. Um, those are two probably the easiest ways right now. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that. And the last question is cardio miracle. Um, I have high blood pressure and I'm taking Avastatin, I believe is what it is. Uh, Avastatin? seems to be, yeah. Okay, you're not uh, taking... That doesn't seem to be... The doctor didn't tell you that was for blood pressure, did they? Yeah. Wait. Well, okay, I want to make sure I'm hearing this right. So do you have the drug or the name or a label in front of you? No. Um, spell it for me to make sure I'm hearing this right. Um, or that could be for my cholesterol, could it? It is. That, that's, yeah, that's a, okay. anything uh, that... Anything that ends in the word statin or anything close to like statin at the end, that's exactly what it is. It's a statin that's for cholesterol, has nothing to do with your blood pressure. Okay, let me rephrase that. I'm on blood pressure medication. <laughs> I'm uh, not sure which one it is. Lisinopril, maybe? Uh, yeah, actually, I think that is it. That, that's the go-to. Uh, but my blood pressure. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say my blood pressure doesn't seem to be going down, and I'm I'm uh, on a fairly stable keto diet. Um, do you think Cardio Miracle might help? Because that's kind of expensive, and I wanted to see if you think I might get a return on my investment. I, that's the whole purpose of it. 
I mean, it, it has a lot of other benefits, but the biggest benefit to Cardio Miracle is lowering blood pressure. And the way that it does it, I think it always helps to know how something works or why it works or all of the nutrients in Cardio Miracle are designed to increase the production of NOx in the body. And what that does is that is a signaling molecule, nitric oxide is a signaling molecule that tells the uh, veins and arteries, your cardiovascular system, to kind of relax and expand. And think about, uh, you know, your veins and arteries are like pipes. And think about when you try to push a lot of liquid through a really small pipe, what do you get? You get a lot of pressure, right? Correct. But then if you take that same... Same amount of liquid or fluid, and you push it through a much bigger pipe, then there is no pressure. It flows nice and easy. That's what nitric oxide does in the body. It causes the, it's a signaling molecule that causes the veins and arteries to expand and relax. And it just allows blood to flow through easier. Um, the other products that, that we've talked about in the past, things like fermented beets, that is the primary driver for producing more nitric oxide in the body. A lot of the nutrients that are in beets. Cardio Miracle took it much further than that. It does have fermented beet in it, but then it's got a lot of supporting um, nutrients and minerals that, that they're what we call cofactors that make that whole process work so much better. So there are other things on the market. We know anything that increases nitric oxide will increase blood flow because we're opening up those veins and arteries, which also lowers blood pressure. The other big thing that this is really good for uh, is ED. And uh, if you look at Viagra, that's one of the ways it works by increasing blood flow. So we, we know that this works. Um, Cardio Miracle by far is the, the best formulated product I've seen for this. Um, so much time and research went into this. Um, the nutrients that are in there are all very, very good for your heart and your cardiovascular system. I think I had a call Sometime this week, um, might have been Monday, the, the guy took it for other reasons. He didn't have high blood pressure. He had actually pretty normal blood pressure, right about right in the range where we kind of talk about all the time. And he started taking it within two weeks. His numbers had dropped almost 30 points. He was actually worried his blood pressure might be too low. Wow. Okay, well, I ordered a 60-serving... Uh, uh, bottle and I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah, give it a shot. The other thing, uh, um, just one other thing I'll address because we, we see this pretty common now. Um, what do you feel like your stress levels are these days? Um, actually, I feel personally that I'm not really stressed that Good. much. Um, I'm on, I'm on Effexor for bipolar. And one thing that has done is just really let things roll off my back where I don't get upset or too stressed over anything anymore uh how long have you been on that uh i've been on it for four years okay um and i was i was mostly uh it wasn't a go ahead i'm sorry yeah just so you know 
Um, and this is why, you know, we do a lot of discovery calls so we have more time and we have more background. I don't always have time to ask the questions. Uh, Effexor is known for raising blood pressure. Right. Yeah, I did. I, I was aware of that. Um, I was just hoping maybe this would help a little bit to get it down a little because, uh, you know, we definitely don't want high blood pressure. Well, yeah, the cardio miracle will, there's no doubt, but, but yeah, part okay. of what we're fighting against here is the fact that one of the side effects of Effexor is hypertension. Okay. Yeah. Um, I will actually try it for a month and I'll let you know. Perfect. Perfect. I will Thank look. You, Kevin. Yep. All right. I'll look forward to hearing back from you on that one. Um, I, I be. Again, this is why we really like discovery calls where I have more time on, on an issue like this. Um, the effects are sounds like, you know, you needed to kind of, uh, maybe it was, it's usually an anti-anxiety. Anxiety is kind of almost identical to stress. Anxiety causes a lot of stress. Um, when we're anxious, we release a lot of those stress hormones uh, cortisol increases. So it's sometimes ironic that you're taking the effects or to try to reduce stress and relax, and yet it raises your blood pressure just like stress would. So I would still go look at the stress protocol that I've outlined, and I would work on you know a couple of those um, stress builders that I talk about, building the stress muscle, building more stress resilience. Uh, and they're, I, I go over them all the time, but here's what they are. These four are the most effective I've found so far. The Wim Hof breathing and cold exposure, those cost you nothing. I, I always have people start there, cost you nothing, incredible results. Uh, it takes minutes a day and that's it. Um, even if you wanted to do something like eight full rounds a day, which is really powerful of the breathing, that takes about a half hour. The cold shower is just minutes. Uh, and those two are both very effective and don't cost anything. Uh, the other two that we've really identified, the infrared sauna blanket, which we sell in our store at letstruck.com, and the X3 bar for those quick 10-minute um, resistance training workouts a couple times a week. Those four things are very, very powerful at reducing stress and building your stress muscle. Uh, all right, we're getting through the calls. We just opened up some lines. So if you want to jump in right now, you can. It is a free for all. Anything goes. 855-950-3835. We're going to head off to Florida this time. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, hello, Kevin. This is Mike Hardy. What's on your mind uh, today? Spoke with, spoke with you and the guys from um, Pittsburgh Power last week and uh, about the new or the old truck that I got and uh, optimizing fuel mileage. Yes. It's got the um, 24.5s on it. And uh, just wondering if I should go to Super Singles or definitely go to 22.5. I know I got a lot of other things to fix on the truck before I worry about it, but just trying to plan ahead and be prepared. Yeah, I, you know, for me, it doesn't have to be wide singles, but I do want to 
lower my rolling resistance on every position for tires. Steer tires, I'm not too worried about rolling resistance. I want a good steer tire that works well in your operation. They're all so close on rolling resistance and that axle has the least impact. So I don't worry about it too much on the steer axle. Um, Drive tires and certainly trailer tires, if you own the trailer, rolling resistance is important. I like wide singles for a lot of reasons. They can be very low rolling resistance. Not all of them are. There are some wide singles with the fairly high rolling resistance. Even Michelin makes one that's pretty high. But I I like wide singles for the ease of use. One tire to mess with. I'm not always messing with that inner tire. I don't have to worry about mismatched tires affecting each other because they're bolted together. One tire starts to wear funny. Now it's going to affect the other one. Um, I love the way they handle and drive. I've told the story many times where I got a chance to spend a couple days at uh, Michelin's Proving Grounds and, you know, really put wide singles through the test on the wet track, on slalom courses, and we got to compare them against duels. Two identical trucks and trailers, one set up with wide singles, one set up with duels. We were able to jump right from one truck to the next and run right back through the same course. I was really impressed with the way they handled So I like wide singles for a lot of reasons. And then I also make sure I'm getting good low rolling resistance. There are plenty of single tires on the market right now that you can put on the drive axle that have very low rolling resistance. So if you decide you'd rather stay with singles, you could still do that. But I would change this truck to um, low profile 22.5s either way. Right. Okay. All right. That's you know, what one I of the I remember you saying one of the <laughs> issues right now with tires, and I don't know if you've checked yet. Um, what's available is a big issue. Right. I have been looking around, and it seems like the super sandals are available. Good. They're pricey, but they are available. What, uh, just out of curiosity, right. because I haven't priced tires in quite a while, what is the cost of say a Michelin wide single right now? Uh, I've, <laughs> it varies quite a bit, but I've seen them all the way up to $1,400 a piece. Wow. So, wow. I can remember yeah. a time where I was paying just a little over $800 for them. Right. Now, I've seen some other brands that start in the high sixes. Ooh, I'd be, um, I'd be a little worried about that, actually. That sounds too cheap. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. even, I, even I, I, you I know, I, I can go all the way back to, wow, it would have been like 2005 when I first started looking at wide singles and buying them. And even back then, I think Michelin's were in the seven $800 range way back then. I can't imagine somebody selling a wide single for under $700 right now. That's, uh, that would worry me, actually. Right. Well, those are the the off brands. The majority of your common brands are, I'm going to say, 900 to 1400. Yeah, you know, the range there. The the 900 to 1000 dollar range was was fairly common. I mean, even you know, five six years ago, we we were paying that for a, a good Michelin wide single. Um, 1400 
you know, that that's certainly a stretch. That's an expensive tire. But that's about what I would have expected him to be now um, based on where prices are. So uh, either way, like I said, I like the wide singles for a lot of reasons. Um, but there are plenty of, uh, of good single tires right now. So a lot of it's just a matter of what you can get. But I would go to low Pro 22s, and I would look for very low rolling resistance. You know, we're back to that place where every tenth of a mile per gallon is going to matter again. You know, and we can't even measure a tenth of a mile per gallon improvement. But if we know something gives us that improvement, uh, for example, wheel covers. Wheel covers, on one truck, you'll never be able to measure that improvement. But there's been enough testing done that we know it's there. It's about 1% if you cover all four of your drive tires with wheel covers. 1% is 1% today. Well, you're talking about $6 a gallon fuel, and it's still going up. This stuff is going to become critically important. Right. I was speaking, I actually spoke with Bruce yesterday and stopped at one of his dealers and bought some max mileage and threw it in my F-350 hotshot truck in the middle of a, a run through Mississippi yesterday. And within 30 minutes, mileage improved by 0.8. Okay, so you were watching on Pretty like an instant rate gauge. Correct. Okay. Interesting. And again, you know, we, we talk about all the time. It's, we see fuel mileage increases. It's not what the product was designed for. It's not what we really promote it for. And what we, what I believe is that the additive itself being in the fuel is not improving fuel economy, maybe a little because it does create a more complete cleaning. Yeah. It's more of a complete burn. So technically if you burn more of the fuel better, you should see a fuel mileage increase, but that's really, really minor and probably hard to measure. What we see is that these emission engines can get dirty pretty quickly. And if you keep them clean, you, you maintain the fuel economy, the truck should be getting So over time, as they get dirty, you lose fuel economy. What we're really doing is bringing it back to its potential. Right. Is that why they named it Max Mileage? Probably. Yeah, I I, uh, wasn't part of the naming process over there, but uh, I I imagine that's part of it. and again, right. like I say, there there could be a small bump from the fact that it is burning more of the fuel a little better. But for the most part, I think any gain we see is because we're cleaning out the system and making everything run better, which is just bringing it back to the way it should be. Right. Absolutely. So just a little extra here. I started a paleo style of eating way of eating about a year ago okay due to listening to your show and um over the course of two months lost 30 pounds and last december did my blood work and my doctor was astounded and asked me what i what i've been doing excellent so, excellent love that fantastic results love that yeah all my blood works perfect and i was you know, triglycerides are crazy 
Um, it went from four something or four seventy something down to sixty seven. Wow! Over the course of six months. That's incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, energy levels, driving, don't get tired, don't get sleepy. It's just thank you so much for you, all the help and inspiration. That you are welcome. Take care of myself. You are welcome. Thank thank you for Fine. the support and the feedback. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that when I was uh, on the road this time, I had a chance to spend a lot of time back where I grew up. All my family's still there. You know, I, I haven't really maintained friendships from high school, but um, I reached out to a couple people I, I was close to in high school. And uh, it was interesting because after 30 some years, we got together and it was like, it, it just seemed really normal. They didn't feel like strangers at all. And technically they are, but um, it, it's interesting. And one of the things we talk about on the health show a lot, and we talk about a lot is, is when you learn these things and you see the results in your own body and with your own health, most human beings really want to share it. They want to help other people, people who are close to them. And it's a struggle. You, you can't, I, I do not bring this up around people. I don't talk about it. I don't push it. Uh, I wait. And I don't on the show. People call me and ask me. That's, then I give them advice. I don't walk around trying to give people advice. It's never a good idea. It doesn't work well. The, um, the really encouraging for me this time was when I showed up and spent time with my family and friends they all know what I do. They see me on Facebook or social media or whatever. So this this trip when I was there, it's what everybody wanted to talk about. I spent my entire time virtually with my family and friends, almost spent the entire time talking about diet and health and stress. And I loved it because they wanted the information. They were asking about it. They were really interested. They took notes. They... I mean, I, I had a very good time doing it, uh, and I love being able to ha- I mean, I get to help people every day. I love that. I feel absolutely blessed that I can do that. But when you can help people close to you, your family, your friends, that, that, was, that was a big deal for me. And now I'm starting to get the feedback from it, um, which is absolutely awesome. Um, and they're getting the same results everybody else gets, and we know it, and it's consistent, and we love it. They're losing weight, their pain goes away, their energy levels go up, health starts improving overall. Uh, so it's, it's, really, um, it's really a great thing to start to hear those kind of results. Let's, uh, let's go to Georgia this time. Jason, welcome to the program. Hey, hey Kevin. Uh, hey, I've got... Uh more of a health related uh, question for you. If you got an extra minute um, on your previous call, it's been a reminded me of a, of a more business related question. But um, I've uh, I've always I've always kind of had a lot of uh, respiratory issues. Um, you know, I had asthma as a kid uh, growing up. I mean, I've been able to. Uh, I've always kind of been interested in nutrition and listening to the show. I've learned a lot more. You know, a lot of those issues haven't been been present for for several years, but. Um, something, uh, something I want to say maybe it, it kind of popped up over the last couple months, and then I, I think it's, I think it's a nasal polyp. Um, my uh, my uncle 
and my dad um, both have had issues with that over the course of their lives, and, and I, I've so far been fortunate enough not to have it, but I've always had really uh, kind of difficult time uh, with nasal breathing, and it, it seems to have gotten significantly worse, like I said, over the last uh, few months here, and it just feels like there's it feels it feels kind of like I always got to blow my nose, but can't get anything out. And um, so, what just that want to get your take on that? Yeah, that what that indicates is. what when we have that feeling in our sinuses and our nose, like we can't breathe in or out, and yet there's nothing to clear it. You know, it's not mucus. We can't blow it. It's not. It does just doesn't get better. That's typically inflammation. So the the the. Yeah all of the tissue in there is inflamed and as it swells it cuts down that that airway so that's typically what we're dealing with if it's not mucus related blocking it it's probably inflammation what part of the country have you been spending most of your time in the last couple of months um i've been out east a lot more since the beginning of the year um you know i I live in cheyenne wyoming um and and up until the beginning of this year that's where i've done most of my most of my running um i grew up in north carolina which is actually where i've been doing a lot of work here since the beginning of the year so um so one of the things that could be occurring this time of year and it may not be the whole problem but it's probably aggravating it making it worse and the fact that you're away from where you normally spend time um allergies may have a big component here you may be just yeah i had wondered if allergies could be playing a part of it yeah i I think it's at least a part of it it may be all of it uh, but it's at least a part of it there may be some other things we could look at but the fact that You know, when we spend enough time in an area, if we have a fairly healthy immune system, our immune system will adapt to the allergens that are there and they get better at, at, you know, blocking them and stopping them from causing problems. Uh, We also recommend that people eat local raw honey because it's almost like, um, I hate to use this word because it's so controversial right now, but it's almost like vaccinating yourself against that particular um, pollen or allergen or whatever it is, because the bees go out and they gather pollen. That's how they make honey. So you get these little micro doses of pollen in the honey over and over and over, and it helps your body um, develop an immunity to those allergens. Now you leave that area, you go someplace else, and they have totally different allergens there. And all of a sudden you have allergies again. So that's probably, and it's interesting that you are spending time in a different area now. I think that could be what's triggering a lot of this. Um, Tell me about your diet. Um, my diet is, uh, is pretty clean. I'm, I'm eating, I'd probably say over 95% carnivore. Um, when I'm on the road, I'm, I'm a hundred percent carnivore. Um, I, I pre-make all my food and throw it in my little mini fridge. Um, you know, it's really only when I'm at home that I'm not eating carnivore or, you know, um, I've been staying with my stepmom down here, um, you know, on my reset and I'll make all my food there at her place and, and I'm, I'm grain free uh, on, on very rare occasions. I'll have white rice, um, but that's the only grain. Um, otherwise, on the on the day or two uh, a week that I'm not 100% carnivore, it's 
you know, it's just a couple of vegetables or something like that is uh, is the only thing that I'm eating uh, beyond, you know, just uh, just uh, beet dairy. Um, okay. So yeah, that's that's okay. that's another thing that was kind of throwing me because I know I've been eating really well, and I, I started doing carnivore, you know, to try and you know cut out some of the uh, you know more of like uh, an elimination, yeah. um, kind of a way yeah. of eating. No, it's and, perfect. And so perfect. You know, I'm still having this issue, and I'm, I'm just kind of confused by it, you know? Yeah, you know, this is one of the things that we see quite a bit. No matter how clean somebody eats, no matter how healthy they are, we do see people that are still um, affected by allergens. And it, and it typically happens, uh, spring is worse because there's tons of blooms and yep. tons of pollen. Um, happens again in the fall, but it, it happens more for people who travel. And, and they keep getting, yeah. you know, exposed to different allergens. So for truck drivers, this is a bigger problem. They're moving all over the place. They're, they're right. being bombarded by allergens in the spring. Um, one of the products I would try in our store, and if it helps, yeah. it'll, it'll tell us that this is the biggest part of the problem. We have a product in there called Histoplex, and it, it's okay. a... a, a conglomeration of nutrients that are designed to kind of help your immune system fight against these kind of allergens um, and irritants. And if it works, and I've seen it work within 24 to 48 hours, uh, if it does, that tells us the biggest part of the problem is just the fact that you're being exposed to a lot of allergens. If you take it and after a week at most, you don't see any improvement then there's probably something else going on and we would move on to the next possibility. But right now, we kind of okay. use our troubleshooting method. What are the things that could cause your symptoms? Well, clearly allergens can do it. It's spring. There's a clue. Right. You're traveling to a different new area that you haven't been in and you're spending a lot of time there. All the clues right now are pointing to this is an allergen issue. Let's try Histoplex. If it starts to clear up, then we'll know that's what it is. Uh, if not, like I said, call me back. We'll okay. move on to the next possibility. Here's the other possibility okay. that no. something we could do doesn't cost you anything, doesn't take a lot of time. Um, have you ever done a NutriQ? Um, no, I haven't. I've heard you guys talking a lot about it. Um, you know, I've listened to the show with, uh, with Lauren and, um, yeah, I've heard you guys talking a lot about it, and it's kind of piqued my interest. I just haven't, uh, I just haven't it, had time to get around to doing one. Yeah, this is a perfect example of when a NutriQ would be really valuable. We have a specific issue going on. We have a guess at what it might be. The NutriQ really, it, it, it's just an online questionnaire. We ask you all kinds of questions okay. about symptoms, how you feel, how things are working, um, there are no right or wrong answers. You just kind of tell us how things are happening. And honestly, I can normally pick out uh, a, a, an issue like this pretty quickly from a NutriQ. Okay. Okay. I'll have to try and find time to do that then. Yeah, I, I would do that. So um, try the Histoplex. Um, if you can, we, the area that you're in, I think you said it was North Carolina. Um, find a Whole Foods yeah. or a you know any health store and go in and just save yourself some time. Just ask somebody for local raw honey. And even though okay. you, um, you don't live there, you're spending a lot of time there, we could kind of inoculate you to some of the allergens that are common there. 
So how much of that? I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm trying not to do too many carbs. I know honey is pretty high. I mean, how much? How much a day would you think I should take? Yeah. So let, let's talk about that real quick. Are you still trying to lose weight? I mean, I'm pretty thin. I'm, I'm six four and I'm 190 pounds. Oh, I've been huge. to the X3 bar for a while, so. Yeah, you don't I'm not, need to. I'm not like, I'm not, you know, I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger or anything like that, but I'm trying to get in shape, you know. Yeah, you don't need to lose any weight. I, those numbers are excellent, okay. so I'm not too concerned about your weight. My guess is your blood sugar probably isn't an issue either. We will see that from the NutriQ. But if you, and you don't, you don't have any real blood sugar issues. We're not trying to lose weight. Um, you could go up to like a tablespoon or two a day even. You know, there's three teaspoons and a tablespoon. A tablespoon will be plenty. One of the ways I like to get my honey, um, I, honestly, if you want, the simple way is just stick a spoon in there and eat some. I, I actually like to put it in yeah. tea. I really love honey in my okay. tea. So, you know, you could drink a, a you know, a mug of herbal tea or a green tea or a black tea or a white tea or any kind of tea you want um, two or three times a day and put a teaspoon of honey in it each time. It'll keep you nice and hydrated and uh, it's a great way to get the honey on board. Okay, got it. Got it. All right, well, um, I can change gears here on you for, uh, for a second. Um, you know, you were talking to one of the previous callers about uh, trying to uh, trying to uh, work on fuel economy, and uh, I mean, of course, fuel prices being what they are—that's kind of on everybody's mind right now. Uh, I kind of I found myself in a predicament, and I was curious what your take would be. So, um, back in 2020, I had been working in the uh, in the oil field, and uh, so my truck. Is a uh, it's a W nine. It was uh, stretched to accommodate a fourth axle because I was hauling 130,000 pound loads, um, and then that all kind of fell on its face. And uh, you know, I had some uh, family issues in 2020. I struggled to find other work. Um, you know, so I spent most of last year just trying to recover and get back up. You know, get my feet back under me, and. Um, I didn't expect to be, you know, running the kind of operation that I'm running now, where it's more of an over-the-road operation. I thought I was going to be able to get back into, like, a local heavy haul. um, So, anyways, you know, I mean, just knowing my setup, you know my my fuel economy is not great. And Uh, um, I I I was able to get by for a while. Yeah, I would guess you're probably at five and a half or less. Um, you know, I've taken a lot of the, vi- the advice that I've heard on your show, um, you know, driving under 10 pounds of boost. I mean, my, my 90 day average is over six. It's not such over six, but it's over six. Um, and each tank, I think it's, I think it's probably cause we're running summer fuel now. Um, each tank seems to be getting a little bit better. Good. Um, good. To where I think the last bluff was getting pretty close to seven miles to the gallon. Um, no, I've been kicking the idea around to try and to, to, to unload this truck and get no, it to a newer one. But don't. I mean, okay. You think I, that was my question was the, the equipment prices are just outrageous. Yeah. this, And it, I didn't know if, it, if the trade-off would be worth it. Look, here's the thing. Even when equip, equipment prices are what we would consider normal, 
you always take a big hit when you switch trucks. The reason being, you have to get rid of your truck at wholesale. Unless you want to go try to sell it on the open market yourself, that's always difficult. Then you sell it. Now you got to scramble to go buy something else and everything's overpriced. Otherwise, if you do a trade-in or anything like that, now you're giving up your truck at a wholesale price and you have to buy at an inflated retail price. We always lose quite a bit, actually, in a market like this. My only concern, as you were going through your fuel economy, as long as you're getting more than six, that would have been my answer. No, don't change it right now. If we were in a normal market... I'd say, well, absolutely. Let's go get a truck that's try, you know, let's try to get eight or eight and a half. But right now there's too much risk in trying to change equipment. What happens if you get a truck that becomes a maintenance nightmare? You can't get parts for it. It, it, There is no guarantee that the next truck gets better fuel economy. I mean, we can do a lot of work to try. You're already over six. And what that means is you're protected against fuel prices. It doesn't matter if fuel goes to $10 a gallon, rates will go up with it, fuel surcharge will go up, You'll, your profit will stay even as long as you're getting six. You're saying it's getting better, you're going to be working on it, there are times when you approach seven, hell, that's awesome. Um, I would not get rid of this okay. truck. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's good to hear because I've had to put a lot of money into this truck too. I mean, I mean, I had to do an in-frame on the engine last year. I just oh, yeah. Then. Mine. Then you know, the, the rear ends are pretty new. So yeah, even more important, you made big capital investments. We want to at least keep this stuff long enough that you get your money back out of those investments, and we can. Now, if you would have told me I'm struggling okay. to get five point two, then we might have to be a little yeah. concerned because rising fuel prices would kill you at that point. But as long as we're above right. six right now, I would caution people against trying to trade out equipment. If you're getting more than six, just hang okay. on for a while. Okay. All right. Well, good deal. That's what I'll do then, Kevin. I appreciate it, man. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to North Dakota. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking the call. And it it comes at a perfect time with that last one. I just sold my truck and trailer, and I'm wondering what a friend of mine said they don't base that the the gain on capital gains now. It's all just looked at as income. Is that true? So I'm curious what my taxes will look like maybe. No, that's not true. It's not ordinary income. When you sell a capital asset at more than what you paid for it, you get a capital gain and you pay a capital gain rate, whether it's short term or long term. If you had the equipment for more than a year, it's a long term gain, which is a lower tax rate. If you had it for less than a year, it's a short term and it's a higher rate. Now, did you actually sell the equipment for more than what you originally paid for it? It's actually about the same. I paid one thirty-eight five, I think, for the truck new, and I sold it for one forty. So you have a fifteen hundred dollar capital gain. You then what you will have? Oh, you oh yeah. When did you buy that truck? Four years ago, and it was depreciated down to zero. 
Oh, okay. So, yikes. Um, we do just set the capital gain aside. It's such a small amount. It's not even going to matter. It's going to have to be calculated. It's a tiny amount. It's not going to matter. The bigger number here, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news here. Um, you uh-huh. have a you have a hundred and forty thousand dollars in recapture of depreciation, and that is a twenty five percent tax rate. And that doesn't matter then, uh, like my income this year or anything like that. Has nothing. So when I sell my trailer, that'll be added on top of that. Well, in a different tax year. Now, did you sell the truck this year or last year? This year. Okay, so we're, we don't have to deal with this on your tax return until next April. If you sell a trailer right. this year, then yes, that will get added to this. So... Um, if you sold it for 140000 and it was fully depreciated, uh, that's 14, 28, $35,000 in tax. Quit counting, would you? Holy. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Because I, <laughs> the trailer is going to be on top of that, so it's going to get worse. It, it, yes, it will. Uh, like I say, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, well, well, but let's look at something else. I, now I want to bring you the good news. In a traditional market, okay. your $140,000 truck after four years honestly would have only been worth about forty or 45000 and that's why I sold it. Oh, absolutely. I thought, well, this is ridiculous. Yeah, so so let's go let's actually this is really good news. I mean, it really is. So you would have Yeah. in a traditional market you would have sold it for 45,000. You would have had $45,000 cash in your hand and that would have been subject to recapture and on that you would have paid um uh, 10, 45, 9, about 13,000 in tax, roughly. So you would have had, you know, $32,000 left to go spend. Now you just got $140,000 cash in your hand. The truck's fully depreciated. So you've got to give them 35000 You still have $110,000 of profit here. Yep. Let me ask you one more thing then. With that money and when I sell my trailer, what would you, would you pay off a house or would you sit on that money? In today's world, I, I, I have to believe that your mortgage is less than 5%. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, it's close to that. For something? Yeah. Four now, in three Order. Oh, yeah. In today's world, don't pay a penny extra towards that mortgage. Stick this money in the bank or in a money market account or, you know, I was going to say bury it in your backyard, uh, but interest rates are starting to <laughs> climb fast enough that that's not a good strategy anymore. Stick it in a money market account. And that way, every time interest rates go up, you don't have to do anything. You just start collecting more interest. And at some point, that cash is going to be a, a, an awesome asset to have. 
You could, maybe at some point you will go pay down the mortgage. Maybe you'll go buy some new real estate. Maybe you'll invest it. There's going to be so, maybe you'll put it in a certificate of deposit at the bank that pays 10% interest like they were in the early 80s. That, that is a possibility in the next couple of years that we could hit that point again. So in today's world, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense at the point we are now to start paying down debt. I would rather, and here's the thing. What I don't want you to do is go blow the 140000 on a new bass boat or, you know, investing in cryptocurrency. Or, <laughs> well, you are the bearer of bad news. <laughs> you, you want it there as cash. And if it makes sense, then at some point you could pay down the mortgage or pay off the mortgage or whatever you want to do. But you you want the flexibility right now of having cash because we don't know what's coming. But but when there are opportunities, cash is king. That's what I told my wife. I might just sell the truck now and then buy it back in a year or something. And That's I'll a possibility, too. Left over. Yeah, except the difference will be in a year or two, you'll be able to buy three trucks back like it if you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll be it. Well, thanks for everything. I appreciate your help. You're welcome. Thanks for the call, and congratulations on uh, yeah. putting yourself in a good financial position. Let's head off to Florida. Matt, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, I, uh, before hey, you get uh, started on your topic, I, you sent me that text with the, yep. the, the uh, tire prices. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. <laughs> so a Michelin-wide single right now, you found at just over $1,600. Uh, but two duels were almost 1500 uh, there's a hundred and forty-two dollar yep. difference. That's uh, those are really expensive tires, no matter what you say. Well, I, I was shocked when the caller said that. I'm like, because I haven't bought tires since last year. Luckily, you know, I bought a whole set ahead, knowing I need them at the end of the year. And if I remember right, it was just over a thousand, or maybe close to eleven hundred dollars a tire for the white singles then. Yeah, and that was. No, not quite a year ago yet. Sixteen hundred. So. That that's double from where they were at one point in time. I don't know how far back we have to go for eight hundred dollar wide singles, but I, I know it wasn't that long ago. That's what we were paying for a Michelin. No, and that's kind of the whole point of my topic today. Uh, was listening to Rico last night and is great report and I've been kind of paying attention to the S&P 500 and looking back historically we all have short-term memories there's no question about that including myself times the best rates year to date are down significantly I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head but it's Probably 25, 30% dropping rates. Yeah. Yeah, at um, least. But if we just, that's just since the first of the year. If we just go back year over year, we're not down that much. It's, I think it was 20, but now in trucking, there's a whole another side to this that right. makes it worse. The rate itself, I think, was down less than 20 cents a mile. 
for just for drive-in nationwide. But that's an all-in rate. That doesn't include the jump in fuel. Correct. So technically, it's down way more than that over the last year. Uh, but now looking at... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the number I had uh, from its peak... Um, Van rates are down a dollar a mile right now if you take fuel out of it. And yeah, and that's basically right around the first of the year. I mean, it it might even have been January or February for my my personal self. It was, I think, February of this year was the highest I ever seen in my life. Yeah. Well, I know a guy who just made a round completely off the load board. For fifteen hundred dollars less than what we were getting one way in February. Oh, oh man, that hurts! Yikes! <laughs> so, wow, it, it's crazy. It but is. Then, so, looking at the S and P five hundred, which when a lot of people say the stock market, this is kind of one of the numbers we use. Um, cause it's just an average of 500, the 500 companies. So it's a pretty good one year to date. We are down 18%, which I mean, we knew we were inflated. It's not really a huge shock, but if we go back one whole year, year over year, we're only down 4%. Uh, correct. Yeah. Um, we, we've had such strong run-ups in so many things that the pullback looks bad, but compared to last year this time, it's not not as bad as what it sounds like. It's just historically, and the other thing I'm worried about is this is only the beginning. Well, then, yeah, I, I like to be an internal optimist, but I can <laughs> certainly not predicting that everything is okay (laughs) yeah yeah sometimes it doesn't it doesn't hurt to say well let's take a look at it realistically it might not be as bad as it sounds right now um and i'd like to be optimistic too i'm having a hard time and and part of it is one way is to look at each thing individually but then and this is hard to get your head around and we've never dealt with anything like we're dealing with right now what about when you look at the whole picture of everything that's going on? Then it starts to get a little worrisome. Yep. And so I guess I'd just like a second opinion on an idea of what I've got for investing. I have about $100,000 cash. Well, not cash, cash, but checking account, savings account money that I'm planning on dumping into the stock market. Okay. Right now, my plan is when we hit 30% drop, I just start putting in $1,000 a day. That's $5,000 a week. It would take me 20 weeks to get it put into the market. Okay. If if we hit 40%, I'll double that and go to $2,000 a day. If we hit 50%, I'll go all the way to $5,000 a day. And then it only takes me a few weeks to get it all in the market. But some way to to kind of dollar cost average putting it in based on the drop. I I think that's an excellent strategy. I I really do. I, I, 
when we get 30% down, um, again, based on history, because that's all we have, we don't know if anything bizarre is going to happen in the future right now, but based on history, 30% is a significant drop. You're buying stocks on sale in a big way. And it, it could very well go to 50. That kind of seems to be where we bottom out in the worst um, recessions. And starting to dollar cost average the way you're talking about at 1,000 a day at 30%, then bumping it at 40 and 50, I, I can't think of a better strategy. Yeah, obviously I don't want to just dump it all in at once because what if it goes much lower, you know, and, and it, obviously it, it, every day it's going to be, yeah, pretty, pretty um, volatile. So yeah, absolutely. A little bit every and day, I think, is a good plan. It, 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 when we have these big turnarounds and big shifts, it's always volatile. It's it's a roller coaster for a while. We're up, we're down, we're up, we're down. It's all over the board, uh, and trying to catch those short term gains and losses is suicide to me. I just think you're insane if you try to do that. But you're you're taking a big picture approach. 30% is a significant decrease and you start buying in a little at a time and you know you could ride that strategy um one till your cash your 100,000 is invested but no reason not to continue that if you've got more money too. I mean ride it back up. Well, yeah, and if things continue on the track they're on, by the time that happens, I'll, or by the time I run out of that money, I'll have more. You'll so, have more money, exactly, um, right. Because the, the other problem I've run into, we've talked about all year so far, it's the 401k thing, and not having any success, I've, I'm getting very close to already maxing everything out for the year. I won't be able to put any more in there. So yeah, so... Up a few thousand dollars a month. Yeah, the other option is you just invest it outside of the retirement account. Um, we, we don't get the, the tax break, but uh, you know the, the gains now, the potential gains are going to be big enough um, that if you've got the money, you might as well take advantage of it, even if it isn't um, tax deferred. So, you know, the... the the numbers right now, like I say, they're kind of scary. I, I don't, there's one more thing I want to talk about before I forget. Um, how old are you? I want everybody else to know. 45. Okay. If you were 55, we'd be talking about a potentially different strategy. So where you are, this is an awesome strategy. Even if the strategy goes wrong, you still have plenty of time to make it up. It's not that big of a deal. And I don't know how it could go all that wrong. When you start buying at, you know, 30% off the peak, there's not a lot of risk there. If you're buying at 50% off the peak, there's almost no risk, honestly. And and if there is a risk, well, yeah. if there is a risk and the market actually goes deeper than 50%, well, then everybody's screwed. And this, so other people know, this is extra money. This is not your retirement money. You, you've already been handling retirement for years and years. You have a bunch of money already in the market. You're putting more money in to try to take advantage of prices. So if somebody were to, if the next call is a 
56-year-old who has no retirement money and ask me the same question, I'd have a very different answer for them. Yeah, and I mean, I guess this money has a, a, a purpose already, but it's four years out and that's building another house. Right, right. But, this, I mean, that's building the house with cash. I, I've got a paid-for house I plan on selling. Correct. When I, right. Once we build another house, so I'd still be okay, even if the market went down and I decided to leave the money in the market until it did come back. Um, but, you know, to actually build a house with cash, and then once that's all said and done, still have my other house to sell that's paid for, I'd be in a, you know, excellent this- position. This is the beauty of, you know, years of doing the right things with money. The decisions that we make, even when they look high risk, really aren't high risk. Yes, you could lose money in a strategy like this, but even if you lost all of this money, which is not going to happen, if it did, honestly, it doesn't change your lifestyle. No, it would suck, but it, uh, yeah, it would. Yeah, but it, you know, and this comes from you know listening to you, um, and actually, how I came on to you was listening to Dave Ramsey, and you know his show scattered. This would have been back oh two thousand four, two thousand five when I discovered Dave Ramsey. Yeah, and it was too cheap to buy a satellite radio, but I just got so sick of only catching a show scattered that I got a satellite radio and in 2007, 2008 Christmas there. And, um, <laughs> that's when I found your show and on the business side of, of trucking and improve things too. But just on the personal side, everybody that has financial issues and would like to understand a better way, just, Google Dave Ramsey and take a look at his programs if you and, haven't heard of them. And the thing I love about it is it's just drop-dead simple. There, there's nothing complicated in there. It's easy to understand. None of these strategies we talk about are complicated. Even, you know, people hear the S&P 500. And if you, if you don't know, then all of that sounds complicated. But, but it's really not. All the things... Um, we talk about and all the thing Dave Ram. I mean, what's his line? He learned everything he knows about money from his grandmother, right? Yep. It, it's that simple. And his most recent book is um, Baby Step Millionaires. And it, he did a large study of millionaires. I can't remember the number, 11 or 13,000 millionaires in the United States and put together statistics and their investment plan is boring. Yes, it is. (laughs) Nobody wants to hear about it because it's it's not the latest and greatest and this, you know, get rich quick thing that somebody did. It's exactly years and years of investing in a 401k and, in you know that, that is a very good book on audible too for I, anybody i i may go get that i think around january i i i may go get that um you know it, it it's simple enough that i doubt i'll learn anything new but sometimes just thinking about things in a different way helps you explain it to somebody else better 
Um, so that sounds like a book I might throw on my Kindle and get to at some point. Yeah. The, the funniest thing I think he probably spent way too much time on there is the comparison between millionaire and billionaire. Oh, yeah. It gets tossed I, around like it's the same thing. I, and <laughs> he says straight out, I don't have a plan to get you to billion. No, I don't either. But you got to do something different. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't even think about that number. That number doesn't register for me because it, it's so far out of what being a millionaire. I, honestly, I, I hate to even say this, but being a millionaire in today's world is not that unusual, or, or and it's even not all that difficult. And, and I'm sure that's what he talks about in the book, that a lot of these people that become millionaires, isn't the average age of when somebody becomes a millionaire somewhere between 50 and 60? Um, he said it in the book, and I... So Chris Hogan used to work for Ramsey Solutions. He's moved on to something different now, but and I think he did a lot of the studies, and he had a book called, uh, oh, not The Millionaire Next Door, The Every, Everyday Millionaire, yeah. Chris Hogan's book. And so it's a lot the same as Dave's. There's a lot of the same information. I think it was either 47 or 49 is the average age somebody becomes a millionaire. Okay. I, I, I thought it was, I, I think I remembered from the millionaire next door, the, you, the, uh, during was, your, yep, during your fifties is when a lot of these people really made the biggest gains, you know, their, their earning potential usually went way up because of all their experience in whatever they do. So they start earning more in their fifties. They're not spending as much. Their house might be paid for by then. So it was like that decade of the, your, your fifties, when you're in your fifties, that you really see all this stuff start to happen. Your money starts to multiply more, you're earning more. And a lot of people actually become millionaires in their during that that decade of their fifties. Yep, correct. Hey, um, yeah, I mean, it, just just it, so you know, I just math. I just happened to look down at uh, at the show chat that we always have going on in the background, and I asked you your age, and your wife just said, "Holy crap, what an old fart!" <laughs> <laughs> well, she's over the hill too, so. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of uh, funny. All right. Hey, I got to cut you loose. We've got, uh, I forgot, we've okay. got we've got Rolling Toe um, coming up here at 9.30. So I'm going to grab this last call. We'll get uh, Rolling Toe lined up and queued up here. And um, we're going to head off to Nevada. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. This is what I was trying to uh, tell you on Tuesday on the pit, which I really like. Um, so you had said months ago that by Henry Kissinger uh, that whoever controls the food supply controls the world. I looked that up. There's a book called World Order that he wrote, and it looks like it came from the 70s when he was trying to convince Nixon of the power of using the world the food supply. Well, I find it really interesting that you were mentioning on the pit about all the 
plants that have caught fire, no longer in production, and everything else that's going on, of how relevant that is to to, to today. Um, and I just wanted to bring that correlation of what you said and remembrance of also what you said with Henry Kissinger and something to think about well let let's um let's you're right that that was in the 70s when we first started talking about that thinking about that concept let let's bring it up to today right now what is probably the single biggest news issue in the u.s today um inflation but the 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 baby stuff yep. the baby formula it's the baby formula the and everything yeah else. Yeah, it you know, inflation we've been talking about for well over a year. It's still a huge topic and it's still getting worse. But the real topic today, um, babies ending up in hospitals because they're malnourished already. There's at least two cases I'm aware of in Illinois. Babies ended up in the hospital. They're on IV infusions because these babies need such specialized formula. And they have so many allergies that without that man-made chemical laden formula these two babies are now in the hospital on iv infusions there's two problems with that why have our children become so sick and unhealthy that they need all these specialized formulas we should easily be able to to make formula at home um and some people are saying well i can't make it at home because my baby's allergic to this and allergic to that that's a problem that's a separate problem we need to address and it keeps getting worse but the fact that we just have this formula shortage period is is insane but that tells you look at what happens when we start seeing shortages in food that's just for babies now um, every indicator seems to be that this is going to get worse across the board, all food. There's a sense of panic, a sense of smothering kind of feeling. I was watching my Google feed this morning, and they were talking to the drivers that are in that possible rationing. And there's that grip of panic that kind of wants to grip you and really take you. Um, but... There's not much we can do about it other than, like, your show and, and uh, like, fermenting food and all of these different things. It's what we know, uh, but um, yeah, the, for the general public. Uh, the, the good news, uh, one more comment on this, and then I'm going to wrap this up for the day. The, the good news here, because I hate to just put out bad news all the time, but the, the ability right now in our country to become self-sufficient around food is not that difficult. Now, if, if, you're, if you're broke and the inflationary prices are hurting you, I'm not sure how to help you at this late stage other than I would be investing your money into um, gardening. And unfortunately, gardening in the beginning is not cheap. It, it, my first two years of gardening, I did not save any money on food whatsoever because of all the money. Now, you don't have to spend as much as I did. I was trying to grow a lot of things all at once, expanding my garden and you know, I do some fairly high-end stuff that's more expensive. But if somebody wanted to say, look, I, I need a little bit of food security on my own, um, growing potatoes is really simple and cheap. You can take potatoes from the grocery store that have a couple eyes on them and grow a new potato plant from them. Um, 
So it, you throw well in my passenger seat right here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, there's, I, I, yeah, I, I would, well. I would highly encourage everybody to start getting a little more secure around your own food. Um, find local farms that you can buy meat from and build a relationship with a local farm. Find somebody with a local flock of chickens or two or three somebodies and start supporting them. Stop buying your eggs from the grocery store. Buy them from a local farmer. It's summertime. Go hit the um, farmer's markets. Find somebody who had you know, so many cucumbers, they have no idea what to do with them all, buy them all in bulk and go pickle them or can them. I mean, there are lots and lots of strategies, but you got to go out and start doing it. And I I would highly encourage people and learn those, um, you know, skills of canning meat and fermenting vegetables and pickling and canning and dehydrating and freeze drying. And uh, there's no downside to it. That, that's the biggest issue. Even if I'm completely wrong, and I could be, we might not have any food, although I can't say that. We already have food issues. Maybe they won't get worse. Maybe this will turn around and get better. If they do, and you learned how to can, and you built some relationships, and you went to more farmer's markets, and you started a garden, there's no downside to any of that. It's just pure upside. It's good for your health. It's good for your wallet. It's good for your mental health. I would highly, highly encourage people start becoming more self-sufficient around food. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. Give us about uh, 10 minutes or so, and we should be launching Rolling Toe Live with Mike and Kevin Beckett. We'll see you back here tomorrow for a freaky free-for-all Friday. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.